Do you want to lose weight with running? Well, there are a lot of... Do you want to lose weight running? There are a lot of people who want to lose weight and therefore they start running. Or if they are already running, that is, if they are runners, they start running more, increasing their activity levels. But that is not always beneficial when they want to lose weight. Exercising and increasing physical activity definitely helps to create a caloric deficit. But exercise, and specifically cardio exercise, does not always lead to the fat loss we would expect and predict based on the equations. You might also think of people who are very physically active. Maybe they are ultra runners and still have a lot of extra pounds, extra fat, especially around their waistline. In today's episode, I want to shed some light on this phenomenon, of which maybe you exercise a lot, eat a little, and yet you still can't seem to lose weight. Hello friend, if you are joining me for the first time, welcome. I'm your host Daniel Weiss, a certified nutrition coach, educator and an athlete. I've created this show to help you understand and simplify nutrition so you can focus on making educated choices and observe how your body starts feeling, looking and performing better. I've been working with people who simply want to look and feel better, recreational as well as elite athletes who want to challenge themselves, but also with fitness professionals. I know that becoming a better, fitter version of yourself will not be possible without the right mindset and habits that will get you through the hard times. So that is why I cover these topics as well. I would also like to bring to your attention the nutrition guides, meal plans and other resources that I have created over the years and you can get them for free at danweiss.eu forward slash guides. A lot of people who want to lose weight start running and one of those a lot of people who want to lose weight start running and this can definitely help you to create that caloric deficit and get you in better shape, lose fat, but only if you do it right, because many people actually do that wrong. What commonly happens is that people who start running or start running more, in other words, they increase their activity, see some initial weight loss. And this is roughly less than 5%. And this really depends on how much excess body weight they had to start with. But at some point, the weight loss stops. You might be asking why, why does that happen? There are different reasons, but there are two main problems. The first thing is the lighter we are, the less energy the body needs to function and move. So for example, if you need 2500 calories currently and you work out three times per week or let's say around for three hours a week you will start losing weight and as you lose weight as you get lighter you will only need eventually let's say 2000 calories but if you are still consuming just 2000 calories now you are in an energy balance, you are no longer in 
caloric deficit or energy deficit. So you stop losing weight. You have to create energy deficit then to ex by exercising more or reducing your energy intake further or the best way by combination of these two things. The second thing is energy expenditure during exercise might not add up. What I mean by that? If you just substitute one hour run for one hour walk, you might be thinking, I'm adding 560 calories to my energy expenditure for that day. But you are wrong, because you would be otherwise burn calories by walking. So it's just, let's say, 329 calories, it's not 560, that would be for 150 pound person. Additionally, our body also compensates for the energy that we expend during the physical activity by reducing our spontaneous activity during the day. So I created a model situation here. And it compares a run with 16 kilometers or 10 miles to a day where a person would not run but they would just go by their everyday life and walk instead. When we compare these two situations, we can see that even though you might run for that 10 miles or 16 kilometers, if you don't drag your activity outside of that exercise, you might just spontaneously move less outside of that exercise. And the overall energy expenditure during the day would be pretty much the same. This is something that many people don't consider, so you need to be aware of that. Now, if you would like to see that graphic that I created and everything or anything that I mentioned during this podcast episode, go to the links provided in the description down below in the show notes, wherever you are listening or watching this. Now here is where it gets even more interesting and tricky. One of the body's adaptation to endurance training is energy conservation. This means that the more physical activity we have, the more efficient our body becomes at using that energy, and especially when it comes to low-intensity activities such as running, which is relatively low. So, with better fitness, as your fitness improves, your body will get better at using that energy to move and you will burn less energy to do that exercise. On the other hand, you will be able to burn more energy during the workout because as you get fitter, you can do more work. For example, you can cover more distance in the same amount of time or you can do that faster, do um, maybe some high-intensity workouts in the between and so on. According to one analysis, the way to achieve weight loss is to work for about 225 to 420 minutes per week. Or, by another analysis, roughly expand about 500 calories by exercising 5 times per week. So that is 5 times 500 calories, that's 2000 500 calories together over the course of the week. But keep in mind, this applies 
by increasing the activity from your initial. So let's say you were already running for 200 minutes. Now you need to increase it by 200 further minutes to avoid different compensations that your body will start doing if you are not aware of them. And here is the caveat. For an average person trying to create an energy deficit only by increasing cardio will gradually become time consuming and inevitably not applicable because not everyone has the time to run or otherwise exercise for let's say more than an hour a day five times a week or move all day to create such deficits through exercise alone so you might be thinking wouldn't high intensity interval training burn more energy during the workout well that's true you burn more energy during high intensity interval workout but you know there is a trade-off to it because you cannot do high enough intensity for long periods of time or as often because it creates now a bigger recovery demand on your body and especially if you are new to that kind of training you will not have that tolerance or fitness level to do that we are better suited to lower intensity exercise so walking a lot maybe running in lower intensities biking cycling we can do that for hours and that is basically how we can really create big energy uh, expenditure throughout the day without much effort but due to the constraints of our current modern lifestyle that is often not applicable now you might be thinking okay i'm willing to do that i have all the time so i will just do that i will increase my activity i will run three four hours a day or whatever well even total daily energy expenditure has its limits while the average person is limited by time, for people who have a lot of physical activity, maybe they are uh, postmen or they work in some manual labor job or something like that, or maybe they are even ultra runners. Well, for those people, the maximum energy expenditure becomes the limiting factor. And this has been very well explained in the book Burn, by Herman Ponzer. He specifically studied the hunter-gatherer tribes of Hadza and they walk about 30 to 40,000 steps daily. Now, an ordinary person with a sedentary job walks about, let's say, only 5,000 steps a day, which means that, that Hadza tribesmen <laughs> cover more distance or do more physical activity in one day than a Western modern person in a week. Isn't that amazing? Well, the problem here is that the total daily energy expenditure between that hunter-gatherer and the modern sedentary person is almost the same. So doing more physical activity, although it might seem like the way to go, doesn't seem to work. And we see the similar adaptations in endurance athletes they get by with relatively low amounts of energy intake compared to their energy expenditure. Here is the thing. 
When energy is scarce, the body becomes more efficient in how it uses the energy. That's a huge advantage in a world where food is scarce, right? It has an evolutionary benefit for our survival. But if you are leading a modern lifestyle where food is easily accessible, that becomes a big problem. There are also some downsides to it. We can observe, for example, that testosterone levels in Hadza tribesmen are half of that of the modern man, which is enough for survival, but it suggests that their bodies are not functioning optimally. For endurance athletes, lower testosterone levels is also a problem, because testosterone is related to body composition, which means like fat to my muscle ratio, but also to VO2 max and strength. Remember this, the body will always prioritize energy for movement at the expense of optimal functioning. So you can have the energy to exercise, to move, to train, but the body starts to shut down your systems due to low energy availability. An athlete in training with high energy expenditure and low energy intake can compromise his or her health if energy availability is too low for long periods of time. In other words, people with high energy expenditure and low energy intake will still get by on that energy, but their body will not be functioning optimally. And from the long-term perspective, it can even make their health suffer. At least we can see that they have problems losing body fat because their body has become too efficient and cutting down calories is not the right way how to do that. So increasing expenditure by movement or cutting down calories just creates further problems. So here are a few signs of inadequate fueling. They include your performance during training is lower, despite giving it your all. There is a gradual loss of performance over months, usually. But health problems become obvious usually sooner than the performance loses. As we said, body will prioritize energy for movement at the expense of optimal health. You can experience stagnation in training. In other words, your body is not adapting. As a result, there is a delayed recovery between training sessions. For women, it can mean skipping or completely missing menstrual cycle or female athlete triad. For men, reduced testosterone, as we mentioned previously. The body also holds onto more fat stores, and especially around the waistline area. And muscle wasting is increased. We can ob also observe disturbed sleep, so lower quality of the sleep. Story told short, a hungry body doesn't sleep well. You can notice increased fatigue during the day. And increased cravings in the evenings, especially those cravings for sweets and no motivation for training. I've covered this topic more in depth in an article about relative energy deficiency, which you can find in the description. So that was 
about the energy expenditure, but there is also the other side of the coin and that is food. We can say that the more we move, the more our appetite grows. And it's not always true, because for example, for sedentary people who just start moving more, they may notice a decrease in appetite. They become less hungry. But active people who are training, let's say, every day, they have pretty good appetite regulation, which means that the more they move, the more they eat, the more hungry they get, and they pretty much cover their energy expenditure by eating more. But the more and more we exercise and move, there becomes a point, or we reach that point where oh, our hunger doesn't compensate anymore for the energy expenditure. So even movement has this kind of anorectic effect. But again, the body has the safety mechanisms. If we do that for a long time, we start losing weight and we will not just die by that. So you will get eventually really, really hungry. There was a study by Donnelly that lasted about 16 months. And it suggested that if we just increase training without monitoring diet, we can initially see weight loss because of increased energy expenditure. But the body weight returns over that course of the time. So according to the study, people who actually started to try to lose weight by increasing just their energy expenditure through exercise, specifically running, they saw initial weight loss, but at the end of the 16 months, they had both men and women higher body weight than when they started. And this would not be explained by increase of body, uh, lean body mass, I mean muscle mass. Another important thing that this study suggests is that women are better at compensating for that energy expenditure. So their hunger increases even more than in men. And this feeds the idea of, from the evolutionary perspective, women are more sensitive to energy fluctuations because they are also bearers of the children. And so their body are preserving their body mass and fat mass uh, much better than when it comes to men. To summarize, here are the main issues with cardio for weight loss or specifically running. Cardio alone is the least effective form of exercise for fat reduction. Weight loss through exercise only leads to about 30 to 50% of predicted weight loss. And this is due to all the adaptations to exercise and increased compensatory effects based on hunger and reduced of activity. Cardio also doesn't build muscle mass. This only happens in very novice runners. Also, it creates what I call a cardio trap. So even if you manage to lose weight in this way, by doing more and more exercise, more and more cardio, if you want to keep the weight off afterwards, you have to stay at that volume of activity. 
So unless you really love cardio, love doing that, that's not the optimal way how to do that and there are better ways. Cardio also leads people to track calories burned during the exercise and value exercise for how much energy it burns and I commonly see this in runners. It can have a negative mental consequences because then they start compensating what they eat and then runners really exercise so they can eat like I need to exercise so I can reward myself with food. That's a really, really red flag of disordered eating. What I also commonly see in endurance runners is that they get injured or when they get sick or for whatever reason they cannot run so their energy expenditure actually lowers, they start gaining weight immediately. And this is especially in those very active runners because now their body is primed to store the fat because it's very efficient and if they have been underfueling like many runners do, now they start packing on fat and combine that with the fact that often they don't know how to eat outside of exercise when their energy needs are lower. I mean, they get in a high caloric surplus. Now, this leads them to have kind of anxiety, anxious feelings and trying to get back to exercise as soon as possible because now they notice that what? I'm getting fat. I don't want to get fat. But you are still, let's say, battling with injury, right? And if you just start exercising too soon, you will just extend that rehabilitation process and probably injure yourself even more. Uh, Speaking from my own experience, I know it doesn't apply to everybody, obviously, but If you are like that, be aware of it. So, yes, cardio does have health benefits and it can be a part of a comprehensive training, but it should not be the main goal of those trying to lose weight. I mean, let's value exercise for the health benefits it can give you, not as a a tool to burn calories only. So enjoy the exercise, enjoy running, enjoy cardio, any kind of cardio, but calorie gasp expenditure and weight loss, I believe, should be a side effect of that. Now I know that there will be a lot of people who will say, well, that's me, that's me, I'm having trouble losing weight, losing fat, especially abdominal fat, I'm running a lot, maybe 40 kilometers or about, let's say, 20 to 30 miles a week, and that's what's happening to me. And when I ask these kind of people, look, what are you eating? Do you have an idea how much calories are you eating? They usually don't have any idea. So it's very unlikely that you will create these kind of compensatory mechanisms by like very high activity levels. If you are really, you know, just exercising maybe an hour a day. That's not what's happening. But you might be that person who has been dieting for a very long time, not eating properly, in other words, underfueling. And in that case, it's very possible that your metabolism is 
quote-unquote sluggish, it's very efficient, and therefore your energy needs are much lower, more than 10% lower than what is predicted. So let's say the same person of your age, body composition, and body weight, let's say go gets by by with 2000 calories, but because of your dieting history and what you've been doing, you can get by with, let's say, 1700 or 1800 calories. So you, the prediction formulas, therefore, don't work for you. You need to first, I don't like to use that word, but quote-unquote, really repair your metabolism or get it moving. And this can take weeks, months or years, depending on your initial state. And I know that this might be really mentally challenging for many of you. Uh, I struggled with this as well, because I've been a cardio bunny, or I used to be a cardio bunny for a very long time. That's how I lost a lot of body weight, or relatively a lot of body fat, but also a lot of muscle mass. And then when I started learning about what my body really needs to fuel my workouts and what it would need to improve my performance, I faced that challenge now that I need to start fueling myself properly and eat more. But I was really afraid of gaining body fat. And look, inevitably that can happen and that is what your body might need to do. But this is like a small sacrifice to pay for your better overall health from the long-term perspective. So if you are someone like that, that maybe you are struggling with this, then just send me a message. Let's have a call. Let's find out if I can help you, if we are right fit to work together. And if we feel like that is what you need, that you need that accountability and strategy, somebody who will support you through this process, then I'm very happy to help you. Again, you will find the links for all those things that I mentioned in the description below with a link to schedule a 15-minute free consultation call with me. And thank you for listening.